0: Welcome to Great Minds with Lost and Found, the podcast that connects people and reimagines systems to improve mental health for youth and young adults. I'm your host, Joel Kaskinen. Lost and Found is a comprehensive nonprofit organization that aims to do more to eliminate suicide for youth and young adults in the United States. Now that you know who we are and what we're all about, let's get to the show. Welcome to Great Minds with Lost and Found. Today's conversation is with Lindsay McCarthy, the executive director of Southern Plains Behavioral Health Services. Welcome, Lindsay. Uh, Can we just start with a brief introduction of who you are, your role at uh, Southern Plains, what Southern Plains does? And um, we'll go from there. I'm the
1: executive director at Southern Plains Behavioral Health Services. We're one of 10 other community mental health agencies across the state. Um, we serve South Central South Dakota, so kind of the middle bottom of the state. Um, we serve Todd, Tripp, Millette, and Gregory counties, um, all of which have some tribal land of the Rosebud Sioux
0: Tribe. That's amazing, awesome. Well, thanks again once once more for being here. We super appreciate it. We super appreciate the work that you do. Um, can you tell us more about um, the role that uh, Southern Plains Behavioral Health Services plays in your community and your region? You just made reference to the Rosebud tribes and the different counties that you serve. Um, can you just elaborate a little bit further for us?
1: So we, um, it, it's. Cool that we are able to serve and provide for the mental health care from anyone, literally from birth until death and anything in between, no matter what life throws at you, any diagnosis, any uh, trauma or, you know, life transition, we're able to help with that um, by providing case management, counseling services, and the psychiatric or medication management services. And so I think it's really nice in our um, entity, through our entity, we're able to, to provide a wide realm of services to really like embody that wraparound approach to to meet the client where they're at, get them the services they need. If we don't have the services here, we can refer to services and help link them to, to, to the things they need.
0: That's great. Awesome. Thank you so much for that introduction. Um, I personally am new to South Dakota. I've only lived here for a year. So um, I'm still learning different counties, different cities, different places. So um, being in connection with you, I was like, okay. I've never heard of this place. I want to know more, so that way our guests and our listeners can know more, and that way we can build this greater connection, and hopefully, it serve um, you know the at large communities that are here for South Dakota. So, um, sure,
1: kind of- and, and that's kind of the nice thing about you know, like our state is broken into these community mental health agencies, mm-hmm. and so you know, like yes, Southern Plains is unique to the area, and we're able to serve the needs of our four counties. But we also have services that are established throughout the whole state, you know, so um, through this network of of other community mental health agencies. So what you'd be hearing here, you know, there is in Yankton, there is in Sioux Falls, there is in Rapid, there is in Pierre, there is in Lemon, South Dakota, you know, to the the most rural areas of our state. Yeah, Yeah. there are community mental health agencies there to help um, those in need.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's the thing that I love about South Dakota is, you know, like, we have a lot of gaps to fill when it comes to mental health services. But the fact that it is so community focused, um, that all of our different areas have at least something in the state that to me is the really cool thing. I've lived in Michigan and in Colorado, and I'm like, there's, you know, there's wide, vast, different, varying services and resources and support structures, but I don't feel like it's always hitting every area. And in South Dakota, I do feel like it's all-encompassing, which is really, really cool.
1: Definitely work hard to to, to try to collaborate and make sure those services are throughout the state.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to dive in here into our big major piece of conversation. Um, so, our podcast series that we um, are working through right now is all about the seven strategies for prevention of suicide, um, rolled out and laid out by the Center for uh, Disease um, Control and Prevention. So, the CDC, um, you know, they kind of have this big workbook, guidebook all on um, suicide prevention, and it's seven strategies. um, And one of our seven strategies that we're we're working through is strengthening access and delivery. And so that's why um, we're interviewing you, chatting with you today, is really kind of that access to care point. So can you share with us the access to care that you all provide at Southern Plains?
1: Like I mentioned, we've got the four counties that we serve. um, And it's a referral um, process to get into services. Somebody would call in, you can self refer or a clinic, a school. Um, we work in nursing homes, assisted livings, um, anyone in the community, and we're community based. So we can meet you at your house, we can go to the park, you know, wherever they are wanting to, to be seen to be able to um, first start with like an assessment. Hey, what are you looking for? What are you needing? What are your goals, and how can we help you reach them? And and we also have the emergency services. So a 24-hour emergency service, if somebody's in crisis, they're struggling with suicidal thoughts, um, panic attacks, things like that, they can call our office to kind of help de-escalate, to work through the situation and assess what's needed um, from then on. And so we're able to to travel to our four counties. We have offices in Gregory, Winter, uh, White River, and Mission. And so a main office in each of the counties, but we have staff who travel to individual little communities, um, can go pick people up from their house, meet them in their home, like I had mentioned, to make sure that they're getting to their services, um, get to groups, make it to their psychiatric appointments, you know, whatever it is that's needed.
0: That's so cool. Um, so what does mental health care and suicide care in your community and region look like? You just mentioned some of that stuff, requiring travel, uh, you know, meeting people with where they're at. Um, what else do you offer? What other services and support systems do you provide?
1: Really, I mean, kind of the generalized is the case management services, which we have a systems of care uh, program, which is coordinators who work with a whole family
0: okay. um, to
1: identify what needs there are in the family. And then they would help link to the services or the referrals that are needed. We have counseling services. We um, offer DBT or dialectical behavioral therapy. It's a group therapy working with to, to build skills. Um, and you'd also have individual therapy that goes along with that to help build those skills. Um, it, DBT has really been found for a lot of different diagnosis, things like that. We also um, offer. Or have people trained in like MRT or moral recognition therapy and ART aggression replacement therapy. And so they're able to um, work with juveniles as well as adults. Um, in just again, it's it's really life skills. You know, what skills get you through whatever situation it is that you're in. Um, we're working, we work in every single school in our catchment area. And so we've got clinicians who are in the school can sit and observe in a classroom, can work with the principals, can work with the families, help coordinate meetings between the school and the family, Um, assisted livings, nursing homes. Okay, people are adjusting to life transitions, grief and loss, dealing with grief and loss issues, uh, dementia, different uh, memory and mental um, struggles, which is that end of life stuff. So we have people there and then we tie it in with the psychiatric services. So yeah, we're seeing that this child just really isn't able to sit in their chair. <laughs> you know, we've done other strategies, what do they need? All right, we're, we're needing to have them meet with the psychiatric staff to be able to get on something to help a little bit more. Um, or same with, you know, that person who just can't get out of bed. You know, they just can't get motivated to, they know they need to get up, they need to go to work. Um, and so we're able to, to provide that care there and wrap around um, to that extent. We use telehealth and I know that's, you know, I think we'll get more into that, but telehealth has been really important in helping us to be able to provide services. Um, We have staff traveling counties away, you know, to go see clients. And so, but we know crisis doesn't happen just one day of the week. Uh, And so being able to connect by telehealth or even just by phone is really valuable and able to continue the continuity of care, make sure we're there to Uh help help remind of skills, you know, what skills do we need to be learning? We're working on what safety plan did we um, come up with? Who are you to reach out to? How are we going to do these things?
0: No, that's great. I love that you shared that um, continuity of care piece and the fact that crises don't happen one day a week. Uh, You know, we're a comprehensive suicide prevention organization, and we often talk about how there's no quote unquote, cookie cutter or silver bullet, you know, like we have to adapt and we have to adjust because the services that we provide, the referrals that we have to make, you know, it, it all is dependent upon so many different things. You know, there's different risk factors, there's different geographical factors, there's different, you know, personal factors and so it all kind of works together to be either for someone or against someone you know like and so us we have to adjust and adapt and really be comprehensive Um, and it sounds like you're doing the same thing like you can't just react or respond and excuse me you can't just react you have to respond you know and do so appropriately so it sounds like you are kind of facing it in the same vein that we are with the same mentality that's cool
1: I, you know, with every person coming in to to do that kind of suicide assessment right away, you know, asking the questions that are needed um, to to know where where is the client at? where is this person at? Um, and and what do we need to do moving forward? Um, so we do do a lot of staff training on um, like every staff when they start, they get trained in cams. Um, and that's a suicide uh, model. We just had staff trained in like a qr PT. Um, training and so yeah just just to really know what to assess more for what to watch for what are the current stats um, and how do we help uh, safety plan and if they need something additional um, what the process we need to do there to get them you know inpatient uh, services.
0: Wow that's so cool now you just mentioned your staff are all trained in these different areas um for maybe a listener that doesn't know what some of those um, frameworks that you're using or theories and the um, practices that you're using, could you just go deeper into that a little bit?
1: CAMS, um, cams and I don't know if it even stands for something. I'd have to look it up if, <laughs> if it does, but it is, it's, there's very few actual like suicidal ideation, like treatments, but right. it is one that is evidence-based um, and it, and it, It's really to bring in the client, sit down side by side, where are you at? You know, like having these difficult but honest conversations with one another Um, and then doing the safety planning and then using other therapy techniques and strategies to to pull from to, to help motivate the client to work towards their goals Um, So you might use like MI or motivational interviewing skills to help reflect back and uh, and assess what their need is and and really pull, um, you know, what they're identifying as their strengths or their reasons to live, um, to work towards those things. Um, QPR, so that's question, persuade, refer. And then we did the T, the treat. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is, again, an evidence-based approach. model of just and it's for lay people anyone can participate in those of just how to ask the question but really the ultimate goal there is you have to ask you can't be afraid you know it asking somebody if they're suicidal or having suicidal thoughts is not going to make them suicidal it's not going to give them the idea they already have that if they're going to have that
0: definitely now the reason i ask is we use the um ears framework it's another model Um, it stands for engage, attend, reinforce, and seek. Um, So basically it's, you know, having conversations that are engaging and meaningful. Um, You know, you're being attentive to the person that you're talking to and, you know, you're asking those questions, but you're also listening and then reinforcing those positive behaviors and the positive traits um, and coping mechanisms that you're seeing them use and then seeking if appropriate. So seeking treatment and help and referral um, as appropriate. And so I just was curious because I'd never heard of cams before. So when you referenced it, I was like, okay, ears and QPR are pretty, like, they're pretty flexible. They're pretty well-known people, you know, who are lay people might have heard of these or, you know, we can at least teach them and to use them pretty easily. I figured cams probably fit there too, but I'd never heard of it. So I had to ask um, just for, you know, some greater clarification.
1: I see more on the treatment side of things, you know, that would be for the clinical staff where QPR, um, that is for the lay person, you know, getting comfortable with, with asking the questions.
0: Definitely. Okay. That's interesting. I'll have to look into that. Thanks so much for sharing. I I've never heard of it. So that's why I wanted to, it was an elaboration for me as well as listeners. So. Great. Um, kind of staying on the topic of staff um, and training. If you were to ask care providers about their own mental health, what would they tell you? You know, like would they tell you that they were stressed? Would they tell me that they were stressed? Do they often see their own therapists and you know seek help in their on their own? Um, I'm just curious about your the areas that you serve versus us in Sioux Falls, which it you know it's a little bit more urban.
1: About the providers, the clinicians providing the care. Correct. Yeah, I would say right now, we've just nobody's been able to catch a break. And and I don't think that that's unique, um, but I think that that is the reality. You know, people are stressed, we're feeling the strain. And for whatever reason, right now, people really seem to be struggling they they may not be suicidal they not, may not be needing inpatient hospitalization but but they really are struggling and just needing extra support <laughs> which extra, requires extra time um you know extra sessions yeah. um checking in with them and so staff are definitely feeling the the strain um they're drained covid uh we during the pandemic we had staff identify that actually feel less stressed because they weren't traveling. They didn't Mm -hmm. have to travel two hours, one way to go meet with clients and then go home and still figure out a way to get their paperwork or their notes completed for the day. Mm -hmm. Um, So it, and it was a way for us to be able to get more people in, get in for services, um, get down our waiting list because we didn't have people having to travel so long throughout the day to, to go meet with um, the clients. And so then it was jumped back to what was this supposed to be new reality of meeting, you know, being in schools and can you be, and do you still have to quarantine, you know, and because people are still getting sick and, and all of that. And, and, you know, just with what's been going on in the world, mental health. Yeah. I mean, people are seeing it as more of a priority as something we need to be paying attention to. And so we're, we're seeing people reaching out. We see people who want help um, and we, we want to get them in, and so I, it's, it's really that balance of being back to normal, having the old stressors of drive time paperwork, um, getting people in, you know, trying to keep our wait list down, getting um, mm-hmm. those who are in crisis or highest need in for services, so I think people are really hurting and stressed, but we also really try to, to stress like you can't care for somebody else if you're not caring for yourself. And so, you know, really watching and being aware of that um, personal health um, and and having to be mindful and practice what you preach, you know, if you're teaching the skills, you better be using the skills. So
0: yeah, definitely. I think sometimes that's hard for all of us to remember because we're all such helpers, you know, in this field, like we all want to help others and then we like forget to help ourselves. So it's really cool that you're like giving those constant reminders to you. Um, I had a thought about COVID. Um, so you said everyone kind of co- going through COVID was a little bit less stressed because of less travel. You're getting back into things now. Are you still seeing the like high stress, low stress levels for your staff? Or are you starting to see them increase a little bit more now with increased travel and stuff? What's that looking like as you're making that transition back into quote unquote normal?
1: Um, the stress level went back up. You know, we, we do see um, staff identifying uh, that their stress level God. is just higher than what it was really during the pandemic. You know, it's higher now just because people are wanting to be back to normal and that's both um, in their personal and professional lives, <laughs> you know, like we want to be busy in our personal life too. Yeah. And, and, you know, we kind of found that it was nice to stay home at times or have an excuse to to say, no, we're, we're staying put or we're not going to this birthday party or that or um, and so, you know, things are just busy. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they're feeling the stress, but people identify too, that it isn't just work stress, you know, it's, it's the family life, kids are playing ball again, you know, you're wanting to go on vacations, you're doing all these things. Um, so yeah, I mean, the stress level is is high. And like I said, I mean, we're just seeing that everybody's struggling. Mm-hmm. People are struggling right now for for whatever reason. I mean,
0: Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it too. And honestly, like nationwide, we're seeing it in the state of South Dakota. I don't know if you followed the suicide prevention, um, statistics that come out, but you know, 2021, we saw the first time that our state has ever reached over 200 deaths by suicide. Like, obviously there's a need for the work that both you and I do. And both of our organizations are doing, You know, and you couldn't have said it better than everyone's struggling right now. So it's it's just interesting that, you know, this is the trend that we're seeing. But it's also great that we have such dedicated workers, like our organizations, putting in the time and energy to make, to make other people feel seen and to heard and valued, and to make ourselves feel better. Yeah, Um, it's it is a hard balance. What um is the like. I don't know if if you follow trends at all, but like, what is the trend, you know, like in the last 10, five, 10 years or so, have you noticed anything different? Obviously, you know, the world is changing, society is changing, we've seen an increase in violence, we've seen um, a global pandemic, like uh, what trends are you noticing in in your work? And I guess being a little bit more rural than we are, I'm I'm similar. I'm curious about the similarities and differences.
1: Some of the things we've seen is um, just mental health awareness itself has improved. That it's not just oh I've got poor mental health. I mean, mental health is something we all have, and we all yeah. have to to be aware of and and protect and do um, things to support our mental health. And so I think just that kind of awareness has has improved. Um, We've also seen, you know, kind of a decreased stigma, you know, more um, openness to just talking about mental health struggles. I think the media, you know, can help with that. But also, I mean, we have people who are, you know, seen um, or have power in the community and things like that, that have no problem pulling up to our front door, you know, they don't have to pull out back and, you know, come in the back door, sneak in so nobody sees them. You know, I think people are okay with saying, yep, I'm coming up to Southern Plains or, oh yeah, that's my counselor over there, you know, (laughs) And, and which in our small communities, that's hard. We, we can't acknowledge it as professionals and we have to have those boundaries and things like that. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I just, I feel like some of that um, stigma has decreased. People are more willing, I think, to self-refer versus mm. yeah having to be referred from a clinic or you know their um, loved one or from a school. Um, so that's, that's nice to see that people are are actually reaching out themselves.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point, you know, especially in our younger generations. Um, I think it's really cool that they're self-advocating and they're, you know, being advocates of their friends and their families and, you know, like teaching the older generations and, you know, even younger yet how to do all of that. I think that that is a really positive trend that we've seen, definitely. Um, I wanna kind of shift gears talking solutions to some to some systemic issues or gaps or, you know, things that we've had just systemically. Um, you know, this podcast, we are all about connecting people and reimagining the systems that we have in place. And we do that at a grassroots level, but also by enacting change. And so I want to talk through that a little bit um, from a solution standpoint. So what kind of solutions have you come up with to address challenges of serving a rural community with limited resources? You know, like you're a community-based organization. Obviously, you have needs that you have to fulfill, but you have limited resources. Can you talk us through that a little bit?
1: Telehealth, you know, we've already kind of touched on that, but telehealth is really valuable. Um, like I said, to be able to connect with people any day of the week versus just the one day that I'm out there. Um, we we were able to um, receive a USDA grant to provide telehealth equipment in the and millette school districts.
0: That's amazing. Um,
1: yeah, and that was actually perfect timing because it was right before the pandemic. We had all staff trained on appropriate use of telehealth, and then the pandemic hit. So actually, um, we saw less use in that telehealth equipment than what we were anticipating because kids were <laughs> at home. <laughs> and, and most kids or really all the schools had one-to-one computers for the kids. Um, so that was something that we we really tried to implement even before the pandemic, Because we know that, yeah, we have to be, have that continuity of care. We have to be able to provide the services beyond, you know, one day a week. Um, If we're going out to, you know, a very rural school, you know, we can't financially afford to to have somebody's time traveling out there um, and things like that. And especially if it's for one or two kids or, you know, one or two people. Um, so, the telehealth has been definitely a blessing, a blessing and a solution to be able to connect to other resources. Um, we worked with Lewis and Clark Behavioral Health Services out of Yankton for that USDA grant. And we've also worked with them on a MAT grant, so medication assisted treatment. And so that's for opioid use. Okay. And being able to work with these other community mental health agencies for grant um, implementation. Um, to to provide evidence-based therapies and treatment to help keep down our waiting lists um, by the use of telehealth is really helpful, um, is a way to keep those things down. And we also partner with other local entities. So Kanipi that's the counseling entity um, through the tribal college, Sente and because we weren't seeing a huge use in our telehealth equipment that we got through the USDA, uh, we had shared that equipment with them. Uh, they were going to be doing telehealth and we had boots on the ground. You know, we were sending staff back out because we wanted them to be in person there with, with people. And so, yeah, let's use it, you know, let's let's get this equipment used. So that's one thing that I think just collaborating with our local entities, making sure that we know what our resources are. And so we're not duplicating services. Um, and being able to partner uh, is really important. And each of our counties have different interdisciplinary team meetings. And so we um, Um. participate in those to to be able to just what's new? What do we need to be aware of? What are we doing for the summer? How is this working? Uh, To just keep everybody on the same page.
0: That's so cool. I love the collaboration. You know, like another podcast guest that I was just recently speaking to was talking about how we are often so siloed in this work. Um, and that tends to be more isolating, even though the evidence shows that like to increase our support and our continuity of care, like we have to be working together to make it happen. And so it's, it's really cool. This collaboration that you all are um, utilizing just because I do think that we tends to work in our silos in this field, even though we're all helpers and we're all trying to better our communities, we still kind of fall back into that like old habit of just doing it on our own. So I love that you all are working collaboratively to fit the needs um, of your area. That's really, really cool. Um, make sure I wanna... we have oh, lots of- Oh, go ahead, I'm uh, sorry.
1: We try to make sure we have lots of knowledge as to what's going on statewide too, because yes, it's a large geographical area But we know, you know, Sioux Falls, Rapid, what do they have for services and how do we access and utilize those? So we try to really keep up to date on what's happening in those areas. And yeah, are there telehealth options there? Are there a way, is there a way to to get our clients there for this additional service or this type of of thing? So just being not so having such a tunnel vision, you know, we want to be open-minded as to how we can make this work. Um, and get get people the the services they need, even though we might not be able to provide it right here in their home or in their their town. Um, but how do we get them there? how How do we can make this work?
0: Definitely. I want to shift gears minimally, but it's still in the same vein of solutions. Um, I want to talk finances a little bit. That's another one of the seven strategies is economic supports and how we strengthen that. So I want to talk finances just for a couple of minutes. Um so, What financial incentives do you have and do you know of any assistance strategies in place that you all are using, especially, you know, like when it comes to providing in rural areas, I'm curious about that. Um, This is something that, you know, we've been thinking about a little bit with Lost and Found as we expand our scope of practice. I'm, I'm curious what you all are aware of that's out there, what, you know, you're using for financial incentives
1: part of HRSA's National um, Health Service Corps and it's a student loan like reimbursement so um, we can help pay for um, like clinical or licensed staff's um, student loan debt and so that's one thing that can kind of help attract or it's designed to help attract um, you know staff Um, but then just take the burden off of of those we've had people who are just local who have decided to go back to school and continue their education. And so we're able to use that loan um, reimbursement to help them. We also, just at Southern Plains internally, um, offer financial assistance for people going back to school. And and that's one thing, it's like, yeah, we we know they're in our community, we know that their heart is in the right place, they're here, they wanna see things grow. And so how do we help them grow while going back to school and working? Um, And so we're a big proponent of that. but it is hard. There's been a lot of funding um, coming about with, with COVID and um, and just trying, it's one-time money. And that's where it kind of makes things hard of trying to increase yeah. salaries. Um, but you really can't do that with one-time funds. Um, so being creative and how to use that and really use that money for what you're seeing as the need.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting Thing to bring up, you know, like a lot of nonprofits are grant funded or are, you know, one-time use, single, single-use funded. You know, like we we see those kinds of funds often, um, and I think that maybe to the layperson, that's probably a question that they have is how do nonprofits even work when you're only receiving funding like that? But I think that's a, a great point in terms of we're still providing the care, even with these limited resources and even with these limit, limited funds, like we're making it happen. And that's what nonprofits are designed to do. So, yeah. In Southern um, Plains,
1: we're celebrating our 50th year anniversary. This year we've oh been goodness. in business and serving for 50 years. And so, I, I mean, that is, it's is, we're here to stay, you know, we're here in our communities um, and wanna keep providing those services, so.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. I had no idea that you had been around that long. That's so cool. Amazing. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Moving forward just a little bit here, um, you know, away from finances, um, beyond what you're doing in your current organization, obviously Southern Plains is doing a ton. Um, I'm curious, other areas in your region Um, what solutions are being implemented, you know, it can be financially, it can be, you know, talking suicide prevention strategies. I'm just curious what other things that you're seeing in kind of your four county radius.
1: So, you know, I had already mentioned, like, our interdisciplinary team meetings, but really just trying to make sure that we're not duplicating services, that we're working with a family, um, but not um, providing the same thing. Statewide nine eight eight, you know, is, is going to be rolling out in July, and so we'll be a part of that. You know, somebody could call nine eight eight, and then we receive that referral to touch back um, in with that person to make sure. Yeah, do they want any additional or continued services? How can we help them, um, even if it's just for very short term? Um, so that's something that we'll have in our area. We also have work with like the local law enforcements in implementing like telehealth and the use of telehealth um, when they're going out on calls. Um, Working with the jail to to do assessments um, for anyone struggling there. And then we're also um, here at Southern Plains uh, along with the Division of Behavioral Health working or a part of the National Academy of State Health Policy or NASHPE. Um, And we're really focused on uh, how can we work with like EMS um, in or throughout the state to help provide for those mental health crises, because oftentimes, you know, somebody's calling 911, ambulance shows up, and it might not be a medical emergency. Mm -hmm. It's a mental health crisis. Um, And so we're trying to to work with them of how can we provide for those uh, crisis services or um, kind of mental health. Services um, throughout the state, you know. Um, so I think that that's pretty cool. And then the state is working on um, implementing their regional appropriate appropriate regional facilities, and so that would be inpatient facilities throughout the state to get somebody in for just a short term inpatient stay um, until they're just more stable, can return home, you know, have that safety plan com- completed. Um, so that way they can can live in their home. It's not quite so life disrupting and, and, and be able to can continue on and, and we'd be there to help just um, see what their needs are, doing check-ins, providing the, the counseling, um, the therapy, the psychiatric services that are needed.
0: Okay. Are you at Southern Plains a regional appropriate center or no?
1: There's only a few um, in the state right now. Um, And there's like the application process going on that people can be, but we're not here at Southern Plains. We do not have, we're all outpatient. We don't have any residential setting. And, And to do an appropriate regional facility, you'd have a 24 hour, you know, stay overnight residential type thing, so.
0: Okay, yeah, I was just curious, knowing that you served, you know, four counties and you had a lot of people traveling, I guess I was not sure. Um, I thought I'd heard, um, maybe Eric was saying it, I can't remember, but I thought I'd heard someone was saying that, like, maybe you had applied for it or something, but yeah. Okay, um, anything else, or just, just, I say just, as if that's not a ton of work, um, anything else that you can think of um, in terms of resources and support structures that are out there in your area?
1: Things I can think of right
0: now. Okay, great. Um well, then, putting aside uh, what resources are available, you know, the stuff that we've already chatted about, um, if you could wave a magic wand, what would mental health care look like in your community? I just love this question just because, you know, I think that's the whole reason that we all get into this work is to like have this apple pie in the sky mentality of this is what we want to see done. So I'm curious your answer.
1: That's the tough question because every individual person's needs are so different. So, you know, how do we have this like all encompassing thing, which I guess maybe that's what the magic wand would do (laughs) is fit the needs of the services to exactly to that person's need. Um, But really, I mean, I, I think we have to start young. So teaching kids about mental health and what mental health is. Um, And how to improve that, how to watch for signs and symptoms of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's so important to start there. But then really making sure that we're carrying it through every aspect of life. Um, Home life as well as work life, um, our social life. So, so yeah, I mean, teaching that to people. Having institutions and laws and, and programs set up to design to, like, be okay with people taking a little break being able to step back, take a break, do what they need for the moment for themselves, you know, before getting right back into it, um, I think would be really important. But just being able to design something around, okay, yep, what are your needs? Yep, we can do it. And we can do it today. Because that's totally the problem too. You know, we have people calling in for a referral, and they want help now. Uh They, They might not be in crisis, they might not be suicidal. Um, and that's where you know if they are yeah we're getting them in now we're but we do we have a waiting list and and everywhere does Um, so if we could just get them in same day get them the services they need immediately because if they're waiting two weeks that's two weeks too long you know that's that's two weeks of they could go down even deeper something else could happen
0: no it's all about that access and just the availability you know like we often, I think probably use the same terminology, but I often say your emergency isn't my emergency unless it's an emergency, you know, like, and so unless you're like in crisis and I'm dealing with it right now, it's top priority. That waiting list does come into play. And, you know, I have to look through what hoops can I jump through and uh, how do I, you know, go through, go through, you know, a roundabout way to make it happen tomorrow instead of today, or you know, whatever. But I think that it's probably similar for you. but I yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it right on the head there. <laughs> um, just for sake of time, here, we've got a couple more minutes. Um I'm curious. Totally off topic. It doesn't have to be related to mental health if you don't want it to be. But what's one thing that you've learned in your life that you would want to share with listeners um, today? Uh, You know, like working in mental health, I personally believe that knowledge just helps build people up, and learning from other people's experiences just betters our own mental states and beings. Um, so if you could just share like one thing that you've learned in your life that could impact or better someone, what would that be? I'm putting you on the spot here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I think maybe the simplest answer is we're all humans. We have to remember that we're humans. Um, I haven't met a perfect one yet, (laughs) so we need to be kind, you know, we need to make sure that we give a little grace and just, yeah, meet the people where we're at, see things through. Um, listen, even though we've been in a situation that might seem similar. We don't know, you know, what they're dealing with, what else there is. And so I think, yeah, just being kind, give a little grace.
0: That's amazing. There is not enough grace or humanity in this world. So giving a little bit of both can go a long way. (laughs) That's a great answer. Is there anything that maybe you'd prepared for this interview that you didn't get to share or anything that you would like to know about us and lost and found or you know anything that you just want to talk about that we haven't dived into just in the last couple of minutes here is there anything that you can think of that you just want to get a little bit deeper with um
1: you know really i, I want to thank you guys for the opportunity for having me i think it's fun. i i enjoy having these conversations and it's fun to be able to share especially on such an important topic of suicide suicide prevention mental health you know all of that we we don't talk about enough so I just appreciate the the opportunity to be able to share these things and and have the conversation
0: well we appreciate you and your patience with our tech difficulties and sitting on the line (laughs) with us for 20 minutes while we sorted it out (laughs) and we appreciate your work that you're doing obviously it's very very notable and um you know, it's not acknowledged nearly enough. So we appreciate it as well. But thank you so much for being on with us today, Lindsay. We super appreciate it. And um, I hope to be in touch again and hopefully, you know, collaborate with you in the near future.
1: It was my pleasure. I sure appreciate the opportunity.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Have a great one. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review Great Minds wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more information about Lost and Found, go to resilienttoday.org. That's R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-T-O-D-A-Y.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at resilienttoday. Until next time, do more and stay well.